Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is The Prosumer Movement. And we'll be talking about best practices in psychotherapy, peer work, and mental health treatment with severe and persistent mental illness, also identifying as a prosumer. And who is the person we'll be speaking about this with? Max E. Gutman. He is the owner of Recovery Now, a private mental health practice in New York City. Through his work as a licensed clinical social worker, therapist, and disability rights advocate, Max fights for those without a voice in various New York City care systems. He received a 2020 Bearcats of the last decade 10 under 10, not sure what that is, but it sounds pretty cool, award from the Binghamton Universal Alumni Association. Gutman treats clients with anxiety and depression, but specializes in issues related to psychosis or schizoaffective spectrum disorders. He frequently writes about his lived experiences with schizophrenia. Gutman says, I knew my illness was so complex that I needed a professional understanding of its treatment to gain any real momentum in recovery. And that's a wonderful statement, obviously very profound. Just before this conversation, this interview, uh, Max and I were talking about how that's not necessary for addiction recovery. And I happen to be a recovering addict and I've worked with many, but it's not necessary. You gotta just, you just gotta have a, an understanding and know the principles. All right? Anybody can help anybody with the desire to help them. And if they're an expert, more the better. So let me continue talking about Max. After undergraduate school and the onset of his illness, uh, he evaluated different graduate programs that could serve as a career and mechanism to guide him and direct him in his self-care. After experiencing the helping hand of his social worker and therapist right after his break, quote unquote, he chose social work education because of its robust skill set and foundation of knowledge that he needed to heal and help others. In a world of increasing tragedy, we should help people learn from our lived experiences. His experience brings humility, authenticity, and candidness to his practice. People generally appreciate candidness when it comes to their health and recovery. Humility provides space for mistakes and appraisal of progress. He, Max thanks his lived experience for contributing to a more egalitarian therapeutic experience for his clients. That's a wonderful preface, wonderful uh, frame and outside. I, I really respect that, Max. Welcome, Max. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. And uh, Max and I are both New Yorkers. Uh, I'm out down in Brooklyn. He's at uh, the bottom of Westchester. Uh, and uh, his practice in, is in New York City, which is great. You know, But you know, when I, I was a life coach. Uh, now I'm the head of a technological coaching company. Uh, and uh, when I started my coaching practice, you know, it was purely telephonic. I did all my coaching over the phone, right out of my home office. I loved it. But I also had great visions of having a Manhattan office, but it was just more of a fantasy because it was not necessary for my business model. But, uh, you know, 
I think New York City is is the uh, the, the route, right? So I mean, we might be biased, but um, did you grow up in New York? I grew up in New York. I grew up in Westchester County yeah. in Artsdale. Went to Ardsley schools, and I've been in Westchester for most of my life, except for my time in upstate New York in Binghamton, where I went to school. I love upstate New York. Uh, you know, I'm born and bra- born and raised in Brooklyn, but I spent my childhood going upstate. So I have such, and I was a Boy Scout, and I have such an appreciation of nature and conservationism of nature. And I'm really an environmentalist. Uh, you know, people okay. don't value our environment. Boy, they're missing out. They, you know, you don't want to put holes in your own ship. <laughs> they did, and my dad actually worked for the Department of Environmental Conservation. So as a kid. You know, he would travel to different sites, looking at meters I, and readings. And I, you know, I, I like nature too, but I also love the people in upstate New York. It's a very different, yes. you know, different mentality. And people think all New Yorkers are the same. And it's not true. What a misconception. We, we have the spectrum basically like everywhere else, but yeah. even more so because the city is so big and attracts so many, has so many different things that attract people. We have all types and all kinds. And that's one of the best things about it. So let, let's get into what you do. Okay. What is a prosumer? That's a great question. And I don't get that question a lot. Um, and I try to put it out there. I put it out there, my research, my writing. So a prosumer, um, the coin was term the coin was termed in 1980, 1989 by Alvin Tolfer. He was a futurist. So basically it was applied to um like what do they say? Like economics and um, the economy and business. Okay, so it was it was a person who has experience doing this, doing their trade or their craft and whatever they do, uh, professionally and in in their life. Okay, so I like to think of a prosumer in mental health as someone with lived experience with a mental health disorder and someone who professionally works as a social worker, a a therapist, a licensed counselor, a peer specialist, anyone who does it in all realms of their life. Okay, where they're all about mental health. They don't have to, you know, you don't have to be thinking about mental health all the time, but as long as you bring um, a broader skill set than just someone who is a professional or someone um, that, you know, um, has lived experience, because the truth is the truth. um, We all have lived experience and someone that is a professional um, that understands that and acknowledges that, yeah, I've got stuff too, um, is going to be a little bit more realistic, a little bit more sensitive. Um, and, you know, understanding when people come to them with problems. They have, certainly have greater depths of understanding. That's the, no question. Let me ask you about this term lived experience. That's a relatively new term. Now, of course, experience means a subjective, uh, means subjectivity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, any personal person, any person has an experience. What does, and I've heard this term for the last few years, what is lived experience? What's the, the, what's the modification mean of lived experience, of, of lived to experience? So I think of it as living through a um, a condition or living through a treatment, living through the experience of recovery. So like your recovery, that so your lived experience is your recovery history. Okay. All right, the time you spend in recovery, either sick, either healed, um, maybe getting your diagnosis, and the passage and journey through time. Okay, got it. Right. So- so it's it's more it's more specifically in terms of this term about deal about a recovery about dealing with an issue and and especially and, needing it 
meeting it, he, the process of healing. So the interesting part about lived experience is you don't have to necessarily be recovered. Um, and because you could have lived experience just being sick, um, you know, okay. and, and sure. that's why the term is a little bit problematic for some people, no. because, you know, either some, at the level for my life, I've had a lot of friends in the industry. People do that. You live, you have friends. And I'm like, all right, you know, I want friends that have lived experience, but then like, oh my God, this person is not, this person's hurting me. It's like, what's going on here? Yeah. Because they're not quite healed yet. They haven't, they haven't gotten to that point in their recovery where they're okay. Um, and, you know, there, there is like, the, there's a lot of subgroups out there and there's like, you know, the man studies and someone said, well, just because they're sick doesn't mean they're healed yet. So you have to be really careful with lived experience. Yes. yes. Um, that's why the prosumer, might be in a better position because they have the professional experience or they've gotten to the point where they can start studying and they're healed and they can, you know, they're, they're, they've professionalized what they've done. Um, yes, so, yes. Yeah. And I, I concur. However, I also, as we've already touched on and alluded to, uh, I don't think it's necessary for a person to have shared the lived experience. However, uh, in undispu indisputably, if a person has the has that in common, they're going to have a greater understanding and you're going to be able to identify with them and have a greater rapport with them, which is very conducive to your own healing and therapy. You'll feel safer to be, to open up to them, to get to more of the roots and pathology perhaps or whatever. Sure. And certainly I'm a, as I mentioned, I'm a recovered drug addict, you know, and I, I worked with many addicts and, um, you know, I've created a, a virtual coaching program right now. We're focused solely on self-help, but later on, we're going to get into addiction recovery and, and it's I, it'll be more or less based on my own process that I've created, but uh, and I and I have a great understanding of this. But I also I will endorse uh, out two outside organizations, either AA and NA, which is great but has its minefields and its pitfalls. I'll warn of them, or uh, Smart, which is uh, you know either one because a person needs to have both. I, I, as a, as a as a coach. We work with people one-on-one. -on -one. There's also group coaching or, or group therapy. But and but there's something special about the collective uh, of all the people with the lived experience, use that term, so where yeah. they, can, they can, you know, uh, not commiserate, maybe commiserate, but, you know, have a, 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 have a solidarity, have a, 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 an understanding, have a, a support, you know, so, you know that's a support. Sure. Very, sure. very valuable. Sure. The more people, like you say, that have find a commonality, a mutual understanding, the better. I had someone who said to me once, um, you know, I was, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I need a therapist. You're not listening to me. I think I, I wrote his name down wrong or his email or something a couple of times. He goes, you're not listening. I need a therapist that listens. I said, listen, man, I don't even need to know your name. All right. To help you. Do I need to know your name to help? No, I need to know what your problems are. The point is that we connect and and then we're, we have an understanding of where we're coming from. And, um, you know, it's tough. In a, in a, like I said, in a world of increasing tragedy, people just don't see how the human in, in people. And once we see our humanity, we're able to understand how to help each other. And that's important. It really is. Absolutely. We have to be, be able to identify, you know, and this I know might be controversial, especially in the psychology field where, we, where it's a humanity. But from my point of view, we have to clearly identify a problem and to solve it uh because if not then we'll either put it we're putting medication i got my hands in air quotes on 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 something 
that it's not going to work on is unnecessary and we're going to leave the things that are that are there untreated you know when i worked as a life coach what i often did was identify the the issues of a person either ones that they presented or ones that i i, I saw myself and i would and i and i looked at it as a as the as the the person's problem you know and a big problem as a multi-legged table and what i did is i just knocked out one leg at a time until until the table couldn't be supported and it fell and before and and i have an, I had about a 90 percent success rate and the, and the client would be like I would ask the client, you know, how, how's that problem? And they would say, what problem? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because I knock out those legs by being by identifying what those problems were. That was my basic MO. Is that really controversial? I mean, maybe it is. I find out things are controversial later on. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're not, if you're not treating a problem, what are you treating? Right. You know, um, I mean, like, is the symptom the problem? Is that the whatever the problem is, you need to find it. Um you can't throw medication at anything. And I don't like to think his behaviors as problems either, unless they become problematic, right? Yes. So yes. I could be mad. I could be sitting here manic going like this, but for an interview that might not be appropriate, right? <laughs> that might be a problem for me, but like, unless um, um, it's not working for in the context of my life and what I do, then it's not a problem. You know, I like, if I watch too much TV, you know, and I don't get my work done, that's a problem, but there's nothing right. wrong with watching a lot of TV. Right. So, you know, it's, the, it's like you said, right. it's subjective, it's relative. Right. Well, yeah. And it's contextual, of course, uh, you know, yeah. context is critical, uh, but you know, there's, my point was about being accurate. Yes. We, we need accuracy. You know, oh, absolutely. Assumptions are usually incorrect. Generalizing can be useful, um, a lot of times it's detrimental or in, you know, inaccurate, but we, you know, we've got to get to, not necessarily to the root. I knew as you as a professional psychotherapist, uh, you definitely got to get to the, you know, you, I think you work with the root as a coach. I didn't work with that as much. I mean, okay. sometimes, sometimes I did, but mostly I was, you know, I saw what the, the, the client came to me with, and I, then I saw the peripheral or root problems and I worked sure. with as well. It's, it's critical. And, you know, and like you said before, as a prosumer, when someone says, well, you know, I'm not feeling well. Well, is it this or is it that? And and then, you know, when what does that anxiety look like? How does it feel? And as a person who lived through it, I'm able to really be more descriptive, as you said. Well, are you feeling this or are you feeling that? And and we're able to rule out, you know, different symptoms and, and really say, okay, well, maybe, maybe then you're experiencing this. So instead of being a panic disorder, it's just anxiety, you know, and, 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 and from there, you're able to really eliminate perhaps over medication, the wrong medication. Um, you're able to apply the right therapy as, as opposed to one that's, you know, treating an entirely different problem. So you're right. Description is everything. And when you live through it, you're able to provide that, like you say, that context, what it feels like, what you see, what you're hearing, what it's, you know, how it feels and impacts your body. It's, it's everything, you know, Information I want you, everything. I want you to elaborate on this, Max. So we're going to take a, a moment to hear from our sponsor. We sure. come back. You're going to elaborate on this, uh, especially as a therapist and being a prosumer. We'll come right back. We'll take a moment to hear from our sponsor. We'll come right back with Max E. Gunn. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. People start something, then something comes up, or they need a break or even a vacation, and they often never get back on track. Perficio is designed to allow all of this. Visit www.perficio.io. 
That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can live your life as you learn and make progress toward your life-changing goals. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're having a fantastic, lively, and organic conversation with Maxie Gutman, who is a licensed social worker. Uh, would you uh, would you call yourself a psychotherapist? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. yeah. A psychotherapist. Absolutely. I, I wanted to be certain of that. Yeah. Uh, and now we're going to get into in that very thing. Now, we talked about prosumerism or being a prosumer how does identifying as a prosumer aid your work as a therapist well um you know identifying as a prosumer it you know like we talked about authenticity right people mm -hmm. like to hear um you know a therapist be real you know about what it is they're struggling with even from the day-to-day -day stuff um for it could be on the level of um yeah, you know, yeah, I had a hard time waking up today. Oh my God, yesterday was rough. I, I wasn't sleeping well. You know, a lot of therapists, they, they don't talk about anything. Um, you know, you go to a therapist like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Yeah, can you talk more about that? They don't want to talk about their lives at all. Even, you know, I love my therapist. And yes, I have a therapist too. See, just like that, you know, people won't admit that they see someone. They won't even admit to a medical issue. Right, um, right. You they know, want to nothing. pretend that they're... This perfection or the superiority, superiority, or just this void, this vacuum, like right. you're talking to someone who, you know, doesn't go through the experience of life. Right, they're know? above it. They're above it. They, they're never late. They're never this. They're never that. You know, um, never a snafu. Never a mix up. Oh, and you, you know, you seem frustrated. Yeah, I'm okay when they're clearly not. No one. Want, who, how are you supposed to really get help from someone who's not real about their struggle? It, you know, not real about the day-to-day -day living. Um, so that's where I think I try to bring it into my work. Yeah. Um, and people people appreciate that, you know? It's more relatable. Oh, absolutely. So uh, how do you help people recover from a mental health disorder? And how is your approach different than other therapists? All right. So, oh, that's, that's uh, I guess my approach is different in the way that I frame therapy so like you know i think we talked about earlier um recovery now right my private practice so that's a great a great title too by the it's way it's a great title recovery now um which emphasizes you know we're going to start today it starts now because you have to start somewhere but the point is um you know, you know what i what i found max yes tell whenever me. someone tell tells me they're going to recover tomorrow or they're going to oh, have geez. this plan it never happens recovery only ever happens now of course, when you're ready, when you want to do the work. And I tell people, it's right there. It's right there in, in the writing. Uh, if you look me up, it's if, if you're willing to do the work, this is going to work. If you're, if you're invested in your mental health, if you're not going to show up for appointments, if you're not going to you know, be open to my recommendations, it, it might not work out for you. But the point is recovery now. So, And one, uh, one more compliment sure. before we proceed. I also yes. found when it says, a uh, person says, well, uh, uh, I'm not ready. Ready is just a code word means I don't want to. Yes, it <laughs> That's is. It. Right? When I said I'm not ready, what they're saying is I don't want to. Of course, of course. <laughs> so it can help them be honest. Yeah, you know, because honesty is a critical thing. You know, we must be honest to solve problems. All right. We we already you and I covered this pretty well already, but you you have something to say because you just changed your body position. What is uh, it? You're reading me, you're reading me. I mean, um, I'm a practitioner of no, no linguistic hey, programming, Max. I, so 
chronic mental illness. All right. I specialize in chronic mental illness and illness is it's get in the world today in mental health. It's a shame word. Don't say illness. Don't say even mental health disorder. All right. It's mental health. It's there's no problem. If you look at Pat Deegan and her you're a big recovery guru. It's all about mental health is a beautiful thing and, and all this flowery rhetoric. But the truth is, it, in my experience, recovering from schizophrenia, mental illness is a bitch. It's ugly. It's disgusting. It hurts. I wake up every day and I struggle. There yeah. will be struggle. Yes. I don't, I'm not saying I'm going to cure you because these are chronic. Chronic is chronic. It means it's a lifelong disorder. All right. So it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a, a walk in the park. And, and, and that's why um, when, I, when I treat these disorders, I use the word recovery because you're not healing, you're recovering. And recovery doesn't mean it's going to be easy, it's going to be okay, it's going to be perfect. It means it's going to be a lifelong struggle, but I'm going to give you tools to manage that and make it as simplified and, as possible where, you're gonna, where you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do when you have your relapses. You'll know what to do when you have your setbacks. You're going to know what to do it with, with the sticking points, the usual stuck points in recovery. I'll give you an example. A big one for me in my own recovery um, was what happens when people start rallying around you? Because when you first get sick, everyone's like, oh man, you could do this. You can do it. It's, you know, it's all in your, it's all in your power. But two years later, all that rah, rah, rah is gone. And your friends are off living their lives and they not don't forget about you, but they're not around you as much. They're not cheering you on. Okay. Right, right, right. No, you know, their enthusiasm has waned. It, it's waned. It's two years later. You still have your chronic illness. You know what I mean? And you, and five years later, you're like, well, where is everybody around me? Where's my, where's that rah, rah, rah? It's gone. So I, so I, I tell people that that might be a sticking point for you. You might lose some speed. You might plateau. You might lose that momentum. And there will be points where like, you'll have a certain momentum at first. A lot of people do really well at the beginning of their recovery. And that's important. You need to make those gains, but you'll go through ebbs and flows of, where it's easier, it's harder, and you have to know that that's a thing, and you will get more resistance. But I tell you, I, I prepare you for it. I let you know it's going to come, and you're and you're more apt to pass through it without without being a problem. You know what I mean? So does that make sense? How I frame it? Yes. Where a lot of you know, and that's yes. where my practice is different. It's that realism, that that real realistic uh, approach to mental health, where it really does suck. But you know what? If you work with me, it's going to suck less. I like that. I'm going to get into some specificity, but first sure. of all, generalization, you know, and this is, comes from my own lived experience, to use your term, uh, my own uh, um, experience, lived experience. When I, you know, as a recovering addict many years ago, I've been, I've been clean, I think 20 years, 23 years now. And so uh, I, I defined recovery as abstinence from drugs while self-improving. Uh, and indeed, the 12-step the programs are self-improvement programs, though you work with people too. Um, but uh, while, you know, so it's absence from drugs while self-improvement, self-improving. Then after some time, I, 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 I didn't eliminate that definition, but I just simply replaced it with life. Recovery to me is life. What does that mean? That means that this, this my consciousness, right, which is my life, is recovery. Right. What does that mean? That means me always striving to be my better self, not in an exhausting way that could sound exhausting, 
but because it's going to be ups and downs. Sometimes it's going to be one step forward and two steps back. Sometimes it'll be two steps forward and one step back, but always striving for this better version of myself in a way that is pragmatic, doable, not intimidating, uh, but it's my life. I have so much potential. I'm looking to bring that potential to bear, to, to make it have to be, be fruitful, to manifest it. That to me is what recovery is. And I think that that was my own description from addiction. I think that you could use that in mental health as well. The same way. It's the same thing. People have to be pragmatic. They have to be realistic. We live in a, I want it today. I want it now. Give me, it's going to, you know, manifest it right away. And that doesn't happen. Maybe for acute disorders, maybe for adjustment disorders where you're going through a phase of life issue where there's not, you know, um, some deep biological or psychological thing from, you know, PTSD from your past. Yeah. But the truth is chronic mental illness is 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 a lifelong thing so it's about living it's about living every day and striving to be your best in a way that you can in a way that's manageable and and people just you know i i think it's important for them to hear that it really is yeah absolutely now you you work a lot with anxiety and depression but you also you, you one of your for your forte is uh, working with psychosis and schizoaffective spectrum disorders can you sure. uh, elaborate on that yeah i mean a lot of people it's funny. I don't want to put it in the context. of. Um, so I do a lot of writing and I'm going to put it, I'll later put it in the context. Oh, of my we're, going to, we're going to get into that. We're yes, going to get yes, into yes. your books next. Yes. But the thing is, so a lot of people, most people have anxiety, right? Most people have these acute sort of adjustment disorders where it's like they're stressed or it's a divorce or it's a work issue. I'm starting a new job. I hear a lot. And, you know, I don't know if I should take it. I'm really stressed out. The, these, this, that's not really um, chronic mental illness, right? But most people in the world aren't severely and chronically mentally ill. Thank God we don't have a world like that. Thank God that's not life for everyone. But, you know, um, I, being that I live in the world, I have to serve and, and, you know, um, provide services to most of the world instead of just the 1%. Um, I work with everyone. So most people come in with anxiety. They come in with adjustment disorders. They come in stressed out. They don't know what to do. They want better ways of coping. Um, but, you know, for most of their life, they'll probably won't be symptomatic. Um, but I do work and specialize with people with chronic mental health disorders. When I, I trained in evidence-based mental health, my first placement was on an ACT team, assertive community treatment, which um, pretty much to this day is a hospital without walls, the highest level of care, the outpatient mental health system um, before you're inpatient. Um, and for billing purposes, so most people know for your insurance, um, being enrolled in ACT services is the same as being inpatient. So, um, you know, it's severe. It's, it's, I work with people and have treated people um, that are really, really struggling. So a lot of my skill set is getting people from here to here, not from here to here. Does that make sense? Right. Um, but, but, and our audience is really listening. Max, Max had his hand on a lower yes. level as opposed to a higher, higher level. level. Yeah. More, much more accessible, much yeah. more realistic. I work with people that need to make uh, that will, you know, just, you know, just a little bit of relief is going to be a, a godsend because right. of just the enormity of what they're struggling with right. as opposed to um right. you know people that are making it feeling a little better you know what i mean um so right. i really i my skill set is really targeting people that are 
struggling with the hardest possible life issues, circumstance, biological, maybe they've co comorbid medical stuff, maybe they've got terrible diabetes, they're impoverished, um, you know, they've, they've got mood stuff, they have all sorts of environmental challenges. Those are the people that I struggle with. People that you go out, have to go out to their homes because they can't make it into the clinic, you know? Um, so that's, 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 those are the people I, I really, I really want to help. That's fantastic. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll come right back with Max E. Gutman. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio. The pandemic has painfully shown how we must have money put away, not just for a rainy day, but for a whole bunch of them. You must accrue wealth to really be okay. Visit www.proficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can truly learn financial principles like never before so that you can have the future you really want and need. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petrozo. We're having an incredible conversation with Maxie Gutman. And I'm going to say why. I mean, yes, definitely the guy knows what he's talking about, you know, uh, and he's a licensed therapist and he's, and he's an author. We'll get into that. But, you know, I can really detect and it really resonates with me how much you care. And I'm, undoubtedly, that must, you know, your clients must get that's not, not just get a lot, but that's got to be the, the vehicle of their healing. I, I mean, that, that, that comes right through how much you must care and how much you do. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm passionate. I'm very passionate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very I, passionate. I, I, I feel it, sir. I feel it. Great. So, you know, and also, you know, you know, I'm a, I was a life coach. Now I'm the head of a tech coach company. And we're going to create a self-help app. That's going to revolutionize self-help. Okay. Great. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm a practitioner of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, which I found in coaching is, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, hype about NLP, but in coaching it is probably the best thing out there in coaching. Uh, but, and do whatever works, works. And then you can gain, you can draw from just about everything. Anyway, that said, uh, recently, and I'm an ex-paratrooper, airborne infantryman, right? And I, you see, you know, uh, and uh, so I'm kind of a tough customer. <laughs> and I don't say that with any self-aggrandizement, but uh, I've never had anxiety in my life. All right. And I've been in a lot of dangerous situations, you know, and uh, never. And then recently uh, I've had a new girlfriend and, uh, I, and this is relevant. I, I would wake up at night with anxiety, which which I hated just per se, the feeling itself. But I, it was totally foreign. I never had anxiety. You know, I would meet anything head on. And the reason why I say I mentioned NLP is because NLP, we you know, we can we can deal with something, uh, whether it be logically like in a cbt sort of way or to uh use some technique or method or reframe it so that you know the problem the issue goes away but it didn't work i still the feeling was persistent i was like oh my god what is this my stuff is not even working i feel i'm feeling anxious you know i had to get out of my house and walk around and then i always calm down you know quick enough but the point is that i learned a new empathy to have with people because you know, me with all my lo logical thinking and and in uh, pragmatic uh, ability, you know, you you got this problem fixed. Here's the fix. You got this cause and have that effect. Here's another cause to have a different effect. I, I found that the emotional life was more persistent than I gave credit for. That life was less less logical 
than I gave it credit for. And I learned, and I learned to have a new empathy for people who suffer, uh, especially for anxiety, uh, and under, have a greater understanding for them that you know just because uh, I was able to do it, or other people were able to do it, that's not a it's not a, a discredit to people who haven't done it yet. And that was a very valuable life lesson for me. And that was a recent one. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. And, you know, you touched on something there that really is very, very important to my work. It's, you know, you didn't know how to deal with it. You didn't know what it was. And, 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 and just the enormity of how it felt. And let me tell you something. I think in being a psychotherapist and being anyone who's dealing or struggling with a problem, you need to draw on every skill set every every tool you know sometimes because yeah. sometimes i can describe it earlier you're struggling with a lot of stuff a lot of shit a yeah. lot of stuff sure. and and my point is when your situation is awful when it's terrible you need to do everything in your power sometimes to spin it around to rally back you put it in a historical uh context you said you were in the, in the army right the, um and if i can if i could evoke um a controversial uh, metaphor I for only, a second, please. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of total war in World War II, where the Nazi propaganda minister um, would rally the German people because they were losing the war. They were going to lose the war. They knew it. It wasn't going to be a good thing for, for the Nazi leadership. I mean, it was going to be a good thing for Germany, but they were going to lose. And they knew if they didn't do everything in their power to turn the, the tide of the war, the Germans were going to be defeated. So I like to think of it as total recovery. Let's evoke that metaphor. Let's reappropriate it. That's what my writing's about. I, I love it, it. I call it, um, you know, I call it our own final solution to the mental health crisis. Wow, it's okay? wonderful. You need to do everything in your power to turn it around, um, whether that be but not, not an anti-Semitic yeah. way. Not in an anti-Semitic <laughs> and, and that's not, I mean, as a Jewish person and as a person who likes to reclaim language and right. reappropriate it yeah. and put it in a, in a helpful, more productive, yeah. meaningful context, do what you need to do. If I do that, if I need to do that to think of my own recovery, what do you need to do to turn your life into a more, in, into a more productive way of thinking into, into maybe whether it's financial whether it's it's seeing a therapist, whether it's 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 me being realistic about your problems, you need to do sometimes everything in your power to turn it around, or it's not going to work. It's not. It could be the timing of it. Um, it could be anything, but sometimes it's going to take all you've got, and that's you, just the truth. You know, I learned that lesson as a young soldier in in a in a kind of microcosm. I was, you know, I was an infantryman, a real, you know, most people in the army are not even in, they're not even combat soldiers. They support the combat soldiers in, it's like say administration, medical, transportation, whatever. I was a combat soldier. So I was in the woods suffering quite often, <laughs> right? And you'd be out there, you'd be miserable. You'd be freezing. You'd be wet, soaking wet even. You'd be tired as hell. You'd be hurt. It, it was, it was rough, man. Let me tell you, I even got frostbitten, you know, uh, and, um, and and sometimes you'd be like you you just wanted to stay still even though you had something that might have improved your comfort like maybe dry like dried socks and your feet are wet but you don't even want to take your boots off because you're so tired i learned i learned this lesson on my own that i could improve my comfort or my situation but a lot of times i didn't want to because it would take some take energy or effort or it would change the, the moment of comfort i was having but I learned something because of 
you know, my whole experience is that if I have it, to use it. If I got it, use it. You know, and I didn't have much as this soldier out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but if I got it, use it. I, I had a poncho and it was raining and it was raining on me. Put that damn poncho on. Sometimes you don't want to do it because, it was, you know, you're already tired. If you got it, use it. And then later on in life as an entrepreneur and as a coach, I really, I implemented this as well. Whatever resource I have, and we have a lot more resources That's than it. we realize. That's it. Resources. Thank you. You bring them to bear because I'm telling you, I'm sure Max, I can see this resonates with Max. It will make the difference. Whatever you've got, you don't, you know, you don't know how difficult your enemy is to use the continuing with the metaphor. You Thank got. you. But the more resources you bring to bear, the greater the probability of your success, your victory over that enemy. I like that. Thank you for putting it so well. That's exactly that's, you can, that's I, I just added on what you you, you yes, got I love it. Go ahead I love and it. it. I love it. I love it. No, it's so true. It's so true. Whether it's saving all your change so you can eat dinner at night or whatever it is, utilize every resource you have available in the context of your recovery. That's how you that's how you do it. Absolutely. Sometimes that's all you can do to do it. Sometimes Absolutely. that's how it will work. And, yeah. and and the more resources we tap into within, the more we're able to tap tap the the resources uh, that are external you know and, and and it could be nothing more than say like like say the resource of being courageous all right they, everyone can be courageous all right and, and and it may be it may take courage to ask for help so if i tap the resource of courage within me and if i to, in order to help ask mac or anybody else will you help me now i have my courage and i've got max and we can continue so the resources within will bring more resources without, but we have to tap in. That's the prosumer though, right there, right? Hey! That's the prosumer, right? I went back to school. I, I learned how to be a social worker. I learned how to mobilize those resources in the context of my recovery. You have to bring in everything, everyone, the people around I love you. It. We're you in know? the same tribe, Max. Great stuff. Unfortunately, we only have one more segment with Max and we're going to get into his books and his pseudonym, uh, and, uh, and this has been a wonderful conversation. So that's why I said, unfortunately. But we have. Let's take our final break to hear from our, our sponsor. We'll come right back with Max E. Gutman. This episode of Self Help Coaching is brought to you by Perfizio. What if there was a self improvement program truly personalized to you, that knew and cared for you deeply, that whatever was going on in your life adapted for you perpetually. Visit www.perphysio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O.io, where you can start a program that will always suit you, considering all the pressures and nuances of your life. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, a host, Tony Petrozzo. We're talking with psychotherapist and author Max E. Gutman. This is the final segment, unfortunately, but we're now going to get into a new area, and that is his writings. Tell us about your books, Max. All right. So I wrote some memoirs. Um, I wrote memoirs. I wrote, started writing, maybe it was 2019. It was about three years ago. Um, you know, I started, first I started blogging, okay? And I put little pieces of stories together, little articles on mental health, you know, being a prosumer, um, just little tools and tips to help people, you know, mental health blogs. But I said to myself, I needed to go deeper. I wanted to do some psychological repair from my own um, break years ago. I wanted to really look at what happened. 
And I wanted to offer something different in the world of mental health memoirs, because I don't know if you read any mental health memoirs. It's either um, a lot of them aren't even written by people with a mental health disorder. They're written by a doctor that works with the person, their social worker, maybe they're co-authored. And a lot of them that are written by people with mental health disorders, they don't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. It sounds like the person is still struggling with whatever it is that's going on. It doesn't sound like they're quite healed. Right, so you got so, both sides. The experts, all of it. the experts who it's just, they're, they're from their, they're not, not really professional. Power. Not yeah. the ivory tower, but they don't have the relation. And then the relation hasn't healed enough. Yeah. And, and you know, you've got all of that. And I said, I, I wanted to bring in something different. I wanted to bring my um, professional style of writing um, and in like professional social work language. And when I went to school, when this all happened, I was going to be a writer. I was going to be an English professor. That's <laughs> what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to talk about writing. And, and I always said, you know what? I want to find a way to reclaim that too, to really continue on that journey. So I, I wrote the book. I always wanted to write as a writer. And I, and, I, and I enmeshed it with that social work language. And if you read my books, my autobiography, it reads like, it reads like a, a novel, like so, like a novel <laughs> that you would read in 11th grade, 12th grade. It's called, the first one was University on Watch. It's about me um, as a student. I was, you know, in very, in, in plain language, um, you know, I would, like, I'll write, like, I was on the heyday of my young adulthood, but I'll talk about the medical issues I'm struggling with in very social work language. So, uh, uh, so anyone that's a professional can understand what's, happening right in professional terms but the reader who's a layman can also read it and say okay um i understand the story and and they can they can they can from a social work perspective it, it allows the layman to say okay now i get what's happening now i can learn from this in a professional sort of way so anyone could really access the book it's all oh, about accessibility yeah you're getting both you know? sides big time you're getting all of it Fantastic. and it's in and i wrote a book about middle school because if someone with schizophrenia, really the illness starts very early on. It's called prodronal. It doesn't, you know, in the context, you may not understand, you may not, it may not look like schizophrenia yet, but something's happening. Yeah. So I wrote a book about middle school, high school, um, and college. And each one is stand, they stand on separate their own. Separate books. Separate books that stand on their own. They're all, oh. they're all um, their own story. But they walk into each other. So that's a little tease. Oh, that's so like, beautiful. You know, the end of one book. Um, I'll allude to what's happening in the next. And it's it, a segue. It's a segue. It walks right into the story. Um, but they stand on their own. They're very relatable. They're very professional. But like you said before, right, about being the prosumer and about and about the writing that one percent, right? You know, like I don't I the books are for people that are struggling really with schizophrenia. Anyone can understand it, but relatability wise these are you know the person who's struggling with a severe mental health disorder will get the most out of it but how many people in the world have schizophrenia like one two percent so that's why i think the books are still unknown people don't know about them most of the world is not looking for them okay we're gonna get uh, the word out max how many how many uh books have you written so there are four books out there um that are under the name jay peters my pseudonym um because as we talked about before, um, that metaphor, um, I took the name Peters um, from, I think it was World War II, a World War II movie about an identity issue with Europa Europa. I watched it as a kid, the Jewish boy who had to conceal his identity um, to in order to 
I think it was in order to live, to keep, to, he had to do whatever he had to do in the war to, to um, keep living. It was the Holocaust. And that's where the metaphor comes from. That's all, where all my writing sort of stems from, that imagery. So that's where Jay Peters, Jacques Peters um, in the book, that's who I am in the book. Um, right. and that's where it all comes from. Um, so that's the bulk yeah. of my writing, yeah. And what a great warning, too. Uh, you know, I don't shy away from, you know, the Third Reich and the Nazi German, sure. German discussion about that because it's a great warning for us because, you know, most Germans bought into it because they had good intentions. They, want, they wanted, you know, the you know, prosperity for the country, but they bought into something that was heinous. They didn't, you know, in NLP, we always say, we, goal setting, we always we use a model called well-formed outcomes. And one of the things is always to talk about the ecology. What are the unintended consequences of something? All right, we have to consider those. And of course, and it wasn't just the unintended consequences. Hitler talked about it in Mein Kampf. That he hated the Jews, this mofo. And, and he sure manifested it. And, uh, and they weren't the only ones to suffer, but they were the, the, first, the biggest target. And uh, all these people were treated just so monstrously. So, I mean, it was just an absence of humanity, you know, to say the least. Uh, and it, but, you know, that was the Nazis. And most Germans were not Nazis. They were just Germans. But they had to, they fell in line to this to this movement. Uh, and it was uh, they got on a train that they couldn't get off. And it was, you know, it was so inc incredibly consequential. We have to, so we have to consider not just our intentions, but the implications and the consequences and in everyday life complicity right are you going to choose right to partake in something you know it's very interesting it's like we see stuff happening that's bad around us all the time are you going to fight every war or yeah. are you going to get involved in that battle because it means something to you Absolutely. you know what i mean and you're gonna to have to pick and choose your struggle um pick and choose your battles but some battles you're just pulled into you know sometimes you're that person. There were Jews in the war that had to facilitate the final solution. You know, they they were, it was part, they were, they worked with the Germans. Right. They were Jewish people that sent people in the in the gas chambers. That happens to us in your job. You have to fire someone you don't like, but you like them and you know they're a good person, but the boss told you to do it. Were you are you gonna just follow orders or are you gonna choose to be your own person? You know, it's about who you want to be and, and the identity you want to choose. I chose Jay Peters when I wrote my book, you know, to evoke those, these concepts. That's great. Um, but that's just my autobiographies. If you want to look up my research, I have a lot of stuff out there in academic journals, other places. Yes. But I would start, I would start with the writing, with the autobiography, find well, out what about, you know. Absolutely. How, how do people find you? How do people check out your writings? Where do they go? It's everywhere. Uh, they're not on the bookshelves, unfortunately, but they are order. You can order them in just about any store, any vendor. Look online, Jay Peters autobiography. You can order it in, in any store. You won't see it on the shelf, but hopefully it'll be in your home one day. Great. And, and what about your blog? Is that mental health affairs? Mentalhealthaffairs.blog. Um, and if you want to look up some of my writing, you'll find in a lot of other sites too. It'll be on Man in America. Um, it'll be um, NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, publishes a lot of my blogs too. They might start in mental health affairs. So if you want to know the freshest and the latest thinking, yeah. start there, but you'll find it everywhere. My work is really disseminated throughout the mental health world. Right. Um, so, so they can go to mentalhealthaffairs.blog with Jay Peters. Uh, Jay Peters. Yeah. I, on, on the blog, I still write under the name Jay Peters. To, okay. Um, but um, yeah. And then yeah, the, yeah. the Mad in, Mad in America. It's Max Gutman everywhere else. Max okay. Gutman, yeah. So if you want to okay, look so up 
Max Gutman or J or Jay Peters or Maxwell Gutman because I think in Britain a lot of the blogs that publish me overseas they use they use the word Maxwell they use Maxwell Gutman don't ask right. me why that one I can't tell you <laughs> and I, I understand you have a, a free offering for those who go check out your stuff what is I'd, I'd love to send everyone um a, a PDF file or a um what do they call that a, a any sort of document that will allow you to read my first book um a for electronic file of Wales Middle School um, wow you know right. start off the a free book it's a free ebook basically um Fantastic. i'll send you an ebook of my first book maybe you'll like it and you'll read the others okay where specifically do you have to do they have to go for that they have to they just have if they can email me so i can just send them a copy okay go uh, ahead and say yeah. what your email address is yes maxwell gutman at gmail.com maxwell gutman that's two t's Yes. Uh, at gmail.com gmail for your yeah. free ebook. About, free and that's, e the, that's the uh, the first school? Wales Middle School. It's called Wales Middle School, the rise of Jay Peters. Okay. The Wales Middle School. Great. So, very yeah. good. So, excellent stuff. Max, you have been an excellent guest. I really appreciate it. you. You've shared on so many facets of mental health and more. And I love your, your bold use of metaphors. Fantastic. Great stuff. Do you have any final uh, remarks for the audience? Well, um, you know, I encourage everyone to, like I said, recovery now, start today. If there's a problem you're having, um, you know, meet it head on or find and do whatever you need to do to tackle it. There are resources, mobilize all of them um, in your recovery. And I just want to say it really was a pleasure being here today to hear some like-minded conversation, to be on the same page with someone. Um, you know, that's what I need to do to keep doing this. Um, you know, like you said, you know, sometimes we have to mobilize all of our resources, hearing someone that, that thinks the same way. That's a resource for me to keep doing what I do. Great. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Max. It's been a pleasure. And remember, everyone, we're all responsible for ourselves and we could all use a little help. With that, thanks for listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast. Thanks, Max. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.